morning. I'd like to say a happy Lord's Day to everyone that meets here at the Prada Drive Church of Christ. <clears throat> what a beautiful day we've been given to come together to worship God in spirit and in truth, to gather together as his body, as the body of Christ, to worship the only true and living God. We certainly appreciate everyone that's in attendance this morning. And I'd like to echo a warm welcome to any visitor that we have in the audience today. <clears throat> Thank you for meeting with us. And it's our hope that you're built up in Christ by being here today. I'll uh, first start by saying uh, Desiree and I really had a good time putting a PowerPoint together. So if it's a little... Uh, too busy, I apologize. <clears throat> well, it's that time of year. Brother Tim mentioned it this morning. A very busy season. We have colder weather. <clears throat> I told you, Desiree, and I had good time putting this together. Colder weather, turkeys, time with family and friends, football, uh, something I'm very passionate about and several others in the audience this morning are too, hunting season, and yes, even daylight saving time. And I think most of us can agree that the fallback is probably the best adjustment. All these things that are going on in this particular season. It's wrapped around this national holiday called Thanksgiving. I had a quick Thanksgiving story from a teacher that taught first grade, so if you'll bear with me. Three weeks leading up to the Thanksgiving holiday, Mrs. Klein told her first graders to draw a picture of something for which they were thankful for. She knew most of the class would draw pictures of turkeys and bountifully laden Thanksgiving tables with every imaginable food. What took Mrs. Klein back was the picture that Doug had turned in. Doug's drawing was simply a hand. A hand, yes, but whose hand was it? <clears throat> the class was captivated by his drawing. One student said, I think it must be the hand of God since he brings us food to eat. Bobby said, I think it must be the policeman's hand since they protect us and help us. Another student said, it's a farmer's hand, since they grow the turkeys. It was time to move on to another subject, so no one guessed whose Doug Hand drew that day. But as the other students were busy and distracted by the next project, Mrs. Klein bent down over Doug's desk and asked him, Doug, whose hand did you draw? And he whispered to his teacher, it's yours. Mrs. Klein recalled that she had taken Doug by the hand from time to time, as she did with other children, but it obviously meant so much to little Doug. Perhaps she reflected this was her Thanksgiving, not the material things given to us, but the small ways that we give something to others. And what a beautiful thing it is when a child expresses gratitude. Oftentimes they express gratitude in ways that adults cannot. We love to hear appreciation from children, don't we? Children are sweet most of the time. 
but truly they bring a whole new level of sweetness as they express their thankfulness and gratitude. You know, as children of God, we have so many things to be thankful for. <clears throat> you know, God has something to say about gratitude, and in fact, he has a lot to say about gratitude. So for the next few minutes, if you'll bear with me this morning, I'd like to look at his word in hopes that we can grasp maybe a better concept of gratitude, what God requires of us as, as his children, and what he asks of, uh, asks of us in this particular subject. Gratitude is being defined as the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. And I can't think of a better place to start than in the book of Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, you can. I'm going to do my best to put the, the scriptures up on the board as we, as we read here. But in Luke chapter 17, we'll begin in verse number 11. This passage is... This, this true event that we're about to read here is unique to Luke. This is the only place we find this particular event recorded. You, you may be aware, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're oftentimes referred to as synop, uh, uh, synoptic gospels because they share many of the same similar events, the same real stories. They share similar wording and sequence. But the interesting part um, about this particular passage is we only find it in Luke. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And it says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So we see here in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, it says, And it came to pass as, as he went to Jerusalem. He's speaking about Jesus. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, it says, and he's passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And if I know my map correctly, I believe Samaria and Galilee are north, so he's traveling south here. And it, as he enters this certain village, it doesn't talk about the name of that village or what that village, uh, exactly where that village was at, but we know that he was traveling to Jerusalem through Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into this certain village, there met him ten men, and these ten men were lepers. We've studied leprosy before in the past, <clears throat> But let's just kind of do a, a, a brief overview. What is leprosy? You know, leprosy uh, was probably one of the worst, if not the worst, diseases back in that time. In the Old Testament, those infected with leprosy were considered or deemed to be unclean, according to Levitical law. Leprosy covered a range of different skin diseases, 
which could include and probably did include the majority of these boils, boils of the skin, fungus infections, impetigo, psoriasis, or any other skin disease that would cause a visible blemish uh, to the eye. Some of those visible blemishes and skin diseases includes what we know today as Hansen's disease. We know that people that are afflicted with Hansen's disease suffer from the damaging of the skin, but also of the bones, the twisting of the limbs and the curling of the fingers. And you also see, you know, where the hand kind of forms like a claw-like hand. And these, these diseases l lingered for years. If you had leprosy, you were not uh, able to be part of normal society. Instead, you were banished from society as you knew it. And you were, you were, you were sent off away from society to, to suffer this physical disease alone. You were completely in isolation. You couldn't be around family. You couldn't be around friends. You couldn't work in normal circumstances. Couldn't go to the store. All those things. There was literally no hope for them. The only comfort you had if you had leprosy back in that, those days is to gather in communities with other lepers. This disease not only affected their bodies, but it also cut, cuts them off spiritually and emotionally. If you can't associate with people in normal society, you weren't able to go and worship God the way you were able to before. You weren't able to have that emotional support. And the list goes on. <clears throat> In Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45, <clears throat> we read that the lepers were required to announce their presence to people as they passed by. They were supposed to, to, to stay afar off and they were to shout, Unclean! Unclean! And so we see in Luke again, chapter 17 and verse 13, <clears throat> It says, and so Jesus is passing through and approaching this village, and these lepers are doing exactly what, they're, what they were uh, told to do and knew to do, and they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So one could only think, and the Bible doesn't say, but it appears they probably knew of Jesus. They probably knew of his miraculous healing throughout the land, and though the Bible doesn't say this, <clears throat> they, they had to have known that Jesus was either passing through or they, they caught wind of him passing through, possibly. But either way, by Jewish law, they stood off, but they made their request to our Savior. Notice they, they called Jesus not only by name, which is correct and proper, and that kind of makes us think that they knew that Jesus was coming in, but they also called him what? They called him Master. These ten lepers, they knew who they were dealing with. They knew who they were talking to. And they said, Jesus, Master, have compassion on us. Have pity on us. Verse 14, it goes on, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. It's an interesting uh, reply. We see an account of Jesus healing a leper in Matthew chapter 8. And when, when Christ healed the leper in Matthew chapter 8, he told that man the same thing, go show yourself unto the priest. So why is this significant? 
Why would Jesus instruct them to show themselves to the priest? The short answer is, it was Jewish law. And if you're pronounced clean, you would have to be inspected or, or looked at and, and looked over a process that took place um, in front of the, the priest of that time. The priest would look over that person and make a determination whether or not they were truly clean of the disease or not. There were sacrifices to be offered, and there were procedures that had to be followed if you were truly pronounced clean by the priests. If you want to do some extra research on it, um, and you can see all the different steps and procedures and intricacies, you can you read of those things in Leviticus chapter 13 and, and chapter 14. <clears throat> but we see here that Jesus told them to do something, and he didn't heal them right away, did he? He could have laid his hands on them. He could have spoke words to heal them instantly. But Jesus chose not to do that here. They were instructed by Christ to do something. And they acted upon that in a matter of obedient faith. Some would argue and say, well, what other choice did they have? I mean, they were miserable in their own skin, their own disease. They were shunned by society. And they were only looking to the master Jesus Christ as the way out. And so Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. It was an assumption of healing. They had not been healed yet. In the latter part of verse 14, it says, and it came to pass that as they went, they were in the process of going to show themselves to the priests. They hadn't even gotten there yet. And it says, the Bible says they were cleansed. There was an awesome miracle that Jesus performed that day. These ten men were clean, cleansed of their horrible disease. The Bible says as they went to show themselves to the priest, they were clean. They were clean. Verse number 15, we continue reading and we learn such a valuable lesson in regards to Thanksgiving here. Let us read verses 15 and 16 again. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The New International Version reads, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Before we get into the meat of these two verses here, let's quickly look at these last five words. The Bible says, and he was a Samaritan. Why is this significant? We understand that the Samaritans were a mixed race of people. They had intermarried in other cultures and other nations. And the Jews looked at the Samaritan people as impure. The Jews were nothing, had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And because of this, they looked down on them as as a society. The Jewish nation we know were thought of as the religious elite. They were God's chosen people and they thought of themselves as superior people well above those that came from Samaria. The interesting thing is the Bible, this isn't the only occasion we see that the Bible clearly um, makes the distinct and distinction that this person was a Samaritan. We read of the parable of the Good Samaritan. We read of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. And so before we move any further, 
This should show all of us, no matter what your background, no matter what your ethnicity, what country you were born in, your financial status, and more importantly, and in my personal opinion, no matter what your sinful past is, Christ wants you to follow him. We have a, a part to play in God's kingdom so long as we pursue Christ. The Bible says that the only one who returned to express gratitude was this Samaritan man. Verse 15, he says, He glorified God with a loud voice. He rendered glorious. He esteemed glorious. He came to honor and to praise and to worship and to magnify God's name. We see in verses 16 that he humbled himself. He fell down at Jesus' feet. Another version reads that he laid prostate at Jesus' feet. He laid straight out. He humbled himself and he expressed gratitude for that compassion and mercy that he asked for. That all ten lepers asked for, but he was the only one that came back to give him thanks. He was genuinely grateful, sincerely expressing his gratitude. Have you ever considered the mercy that Jesus has had on you? Have you ever considered the compassion our Savior has had on your life or in your areas of need? Maybe of your sinful past. I stand before you this morning and I think about my life, what it was 10 or 15 and 20 years ago, and then I place myself in the Samaritan shoes and I can relate so much. I can't relate to the fact that he had leprosy. I didn't have a horrible physical disease, but I can certainly relate and see the compassion and mercy that Christ had on me spiritually. I was lost in my mid to late 20s. The horrible condition that I was in without serving my Savior. And I think about the love and the grace and the mercy and the abundance of compassion Christ has had on my life. And I'll tell you when I do, I'm extremely humbled. And I'm very motivated to serve him that much more and to give him honor and glory and praise that he deserves. Moving on into verse 17 of the, this passage. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? <clears throat> Notice Christ can do math. He invented math, Right? Where were the ten? Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found to return to give glory to God, save the stranger, except for this Samaritan man. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. <clears throat> Let's recognize a couple things here. We see that Jesus recognizes this one man's thankfulness and gratitude. He recognizes that. Jesus also recognizes and questions the other nine's lack of thankfulness, lack of gratitude towards God. When we consider the nine lepers who acted in faith, we can say that they acted in obedient faith here. They were cleansed by Jesus, but they failed to thank him for that cleansing. Brother Pat Manning has a great sermon about gratitude out on YouTube, and you ought to check it out when you can. 
Uh, it's a really good message. Thank you, Zach, for sharing that with me this week. But in the sermon, Pat, Pat puts it this way. We oftentimes get wrapped up in the gift rather than the giver. We oftentimes get wrapped up in the gift rather than the giver. And we see that here in Luke with these other nine men. And if we're honest, we fail to thank God from time to time too, don't we? I know I'm certainly guilty of it. These ten men were finally healed of their dreaded disease, and I'm sure there was excitement. Um, I'm sure they were eager to go see the priest so they could get back to living, go visit their family and friends, and maybe go get their job back. That's human nature. <clears throat> but the Word of God gives us this particular account in Luke to remind us that life is more about ourselves. Life is more about us and, and as individuals, but reminds us to pause and to stop and give God glory and thanks for all the blessings he showers us in this life. Through our striving to have obedient faith, such as these ten lepers had, <clears throat> let us be as the one who returned and express our thankfulness and gratitude towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have so many things to be thankful for. And as Christians, we have so many things to be thankful for in regards to the cleansing of sin, our hope of eternal salvation, and not only cleansing us of something that we ourselves cannot cleanse, but also forgiving us so many rich and wonderful blessings in this life and the life to come. So in consideration of gratitude this morning, I'd like to answer one question, and I'd like to look at a biblical answer. And then before we end, hopefully we can seek out and see how we can make some application here. The question is, why, are we, why to be thankful? Why should we be thankful? Now I'm going to propose two different points here. <clears throat> the very simplistic, but I think it's, it's valuable that we cover. Why be thankful? And I would submit to you this morning, one, it's the will of God, which we'll find out here pretty quick. And then the second, it changes our perspective. It's the will of God and it changes our perspective. In Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul closes out his first letter in chapter 5 with several important instructions to the Christians there, as well as he's addressing you and I this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll begin in verse 14. Paul is writing here and he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and then he says here in verses 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As a Christian... If you have ever wondered or questioned what the will of God was for your life, the Apostle Paul kind of gives us some clear direction. It's not the end-all, be-all, certainly, but the Apostle Paul gives us a very tangible thing that we can work on in our Christian walk. In everything, give thanks. Paul doesn't say for everything, give thanks. He says in everything, give thanks. 
And I'd like to pause and, and, and just say this. As a Christian, I am certainly, as we all here in the audience, those that are Christians this morning, we're certainly sensitive to the fact that you may find yourself here today going through a difficult season of life. Maybe it's been a rough season of life for the last few months or last couple of years. We have a, a number in our family here that are going through some very serious illness. Others have gone through many difficult situations, different, uh, dif different uh, difficult times. Desiree and I, we've been going through some difficult times here lately. <clears throat> and thanks be to God, we're starting to see some light at the end of, end of the tunnel. And it's not an oncoming train. <clears throat> but whether you're going through a difficult season of adversity or whether you're going through a season of, of prosperity or maybe you you're find yourself somewhere in between those two, we all have things to be thankful for. And if I do my job correctly this morning, we should see how God truly desires his children to have gratitude. We're starting to see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. And we need to recognize what God has done for us and to be grateful. Thankfulness can change our lives to better fit what God is looking for in us. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, concerning me. The second point is it changes our perspective. <clears throat> in the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul is discussing God's anger towards the lifestyle of sinfulness and, and ungodliness. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And you skip down to verse 25, he continues on, he says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Sound familiar? The passage we just read in Luke, in chapter 17, the other nine men, they were wrapped up in the gift, as Pat would say. They were wrapped up in the gift rather than the giver. Brother Ethan did a fantastic job a few months ago discussing this very thing, presenting to us the signs of a reprobate mind. We learned that a reprobate mind is one who is a castaway, one who is morally depraved, a mind that does not seek God and chooses to be at odds with God. And in contrast to what Paul describes here in Romans chapter 1 as Christians, we, those that are seeking Jesus Christ, choosing to be thankful to God for everything He is, everything He has done, and everything we'll ever have or be, this changes our our perspective, doesn't it? Our perspective changes and the following happens. We realize the one true source of all of our blessing is the Father above. James 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. As Christians, now that we have been changed through obeying the gospel of Christ, it is no longer about us. The old is done away. Now it's about God and glorifying God. And with that beautiful change in perspective, we grow closer to Jesus. 
in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 through 17. Paul again writes and he says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which that ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We see here Paul is driving home to let Christ change our perspective here, doesn't he? He says, Be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Paul says, Whatever you do, whatever you say, we ought to live for Jesus. Let Christ change our perspective and let us give God the thanks. So why be thankful? It is the will of God and it changes our perspective. <clears throat> Make an application here of sincere gratitude. We always want to make application in everything that we study. And so I would propose gratitude is a choice, just kind of like love is a choice. We choose to love, I choose to love my spouse, or I choose not to love my spouse. Gratitude, thankfulness is a choice. And then before we, we end, we're going to look at a few examples um, to help spur us on before we close this morning. Gratitude is a choice. In the Old Testament, in the book of Psalm, chapter 92 and verse 1, it says it, it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Also in Colossians, chapter 2 and verse 6, as ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Growing and abounding therein with thanksgiving. The truth is we all have things to be thankful for, don't we? The blessings are already there, most of them. We can choose to be thankful or we can choose to be ungrateful for these blessings. The fact is, as Christians, we should spend a great deal of our time thanking God and expressing our gratitude for all that He has done for us. If it's a good thing to thank the Lord, then we ought to give Him thanks more often. <clears throat> One of those lepers chose, he made a decision, he chose to return and give thanks unto the Lord. And we see that there were nine others that chose not to. Gratitude or thankfulness is a choice. There's a couple examples that I, I can't help but to read how the Apostle Paul opens some of his letters to the various churches that he writes to. And if you'll bear with me, I'm going to read them rather quickly, but Paul gives us a very good example of how we should thank God for not only what he has done, but for all of the blessings, and specifically our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family, those that support us and encourage us in our Christian walk. Paul opens up some of his letters. Uh, one here is in Romans chapter 1 and verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 1 Corinthians chapter, four, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf. 
for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grows exceedingly in the love of every one of you all toward each other abounds. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank my God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that with, <clears throat> without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see thee. Beautiful examples of how we can be thankful and how we can express gratitude, especially to, to others and to our family. We understand that relationships flourish when there is mutual gratitude. You take any kind of relationship and either or doesn't have gratitude, that relationship suffers, doesn't it? I think about my working relationship. If I wasn't grateful and thankful for my paycheck, my boss would probably start recognizing that. Or vice versa. We see a lot of people, especially now, they're being discouraged depending upon their situation at work. If they're not being thanked, if, if there's not a certain level of mutual gratitude, that particular relationship suffers, and that's in, in marriages and in family, parent-child, all those things. We know that relationships flourish when there is mutual gratitude in them. One of the most beautiful examples, in my opinion, when we talk about gratitude, the Apostle Paul, again, here writing in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ even as it is meet for you to think this of you all because I have you in my heart in so much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. We ought to be very thankful for our family and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Desiree and I, we, we received a thank you card from the Paris congregation uh, a couple months ago, whenever it was, you know, so many of us brothers here at, at La Prada, we go to other congregations um, when they call and we help out, especially those congregations that may have few speakers. Um, and so Desiree and I and, and our family were blessed to go to, to Paris and, and speak and help them out. <clears throat> and so we received this thank you card in the mail from the Paris congregation that just warmed my heart and I wanted to share it with you this morning for no other reason than to provide an example of what we've been studying this morning. The members there were very thankful. They expressed their gratitude <clears throat> while we were physically there. When Desiree and I were there, they were very overjoyed and um, they were very thankful and they expressed their thanks while we were there and then a couple weeks later, we received this thank you card in the mail. Now, I won't read the entire thing to you, but I do want to read a couple of lines in case you're unable to read it. I know it may be hard to see depending on where you're sitting. But the first couple of lines read, 
We so appreciate you taking the time to come to Paris and preach for us. Your lessons were encouraging and strengthening to our congregation. Thank you also for bringing your family. You know, I know a lot of you probably do this kind of thing when we have guest speakers here at La Prada, and that's the right thing to do and a good thing to do, and, and I can tell you when, when a preacher comes in from out of town, they receive a thank you card. Um, I'm sure they are warmed as well and thankful for that, and I, I would encourage all of us to do more of that, and I'm pointing those three fingers at myself. I ne definitely need to do more of that when we have guest speakers and otherwise. But a small act of gratitude goes such a long way. <clears throat> and I wanted to share that with you um, just because we're starting to see a, a resounding uh, pattern here. But I, I do want to stop before I, I move past. Um, I don't know if you can actually read that. Um, but I will say this. I think, and I don't know for certain, but I think the... Uh, the meat of their thank you came from the postscript. Um, you know, P.S., um, postscript. I don't know if you can read it from where you're at this morning, so I'll read it. It says, P.S., or postscript, maybe Desiree can make cookies again. So I, I think that was probably one of the reasons they were thankful. And when I read that to myself, I said, I knew it. I, who can't be thankful of my wife's famous chocolate chip cookies? Before we end this morning, let us look at the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 15. The writer here says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Let us not forget to do those things. For with such sacrifices... God is well pleased. We see that God has a desire that he hears from us. He, he has a desire that he sees and hears that his children are thankful. And for all that he has blessed us with and for the lives um, that we get to live in him, we ought to be reflecting our gratitude and thanks towards him. We see here in Hebrews 13 that if we do such things, we please him. We want to please our Heavenly Father. Our lives should reflect our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. For the hope of eternal salvation in Him, in word, yes, absolutely in word. In prayer and outward communication as well, but our thanksgiving shouldn't end with just words, but it should include deeds as well. Living an example for others to see, always pursuing the perfect example Christ left for us to live by in pointing and encouraging others in their Christian walk and pointing others towards Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Speaking of being thankful, as a Christian, there's something we all should be thankful for. We know that Christ will return for us one day. Those that have been obedient to the gospel of Christ, we see this truth in many scriptures, but Christ tells us himself. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Also in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all, but that all should come to repentance. If you are here this morning and you have been properly taught the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you're ready to obey and submit your life to Christ, being buried with him in baptism, rising a new person, washing your sins away, the invitation awaits you this morning, and we would encourage you not to wait. If you find yourself in need of prayers for strength, for encouragement, maybe you're struggling in your Christian walk, we stand ready to pray with you and pray for you and to encourage you as Christ's body. If we can do anything for you, we ask that you come to the front, have a seat on the front row, and someone will assist while we stand and while we sing. There is God.